The reading today is taken from Acts chapter 15, verses 1 to 21. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles should hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When he finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it. That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. I wonder if you've been in a situation or you've had something happen in your life where you thought you'd done and dusted. Um, the situation, the, the issue was completely dealt with, only for it to come up again. I suspect we've all had those times, um, perhaps been sat in a meeting and you find yourself thinking, oh, but I thought, I thought we'd done this, I thought we'd done this weeks or months or years ago, but here we are discussing it again. I think if I've been with Paul and Barnabas, at the time of our reading today. I think that's how I would have been feeling. While um, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians were not necessarily the best of friends, 
it does appear that on the whole they'd been plodding along fairly well together that the issue had been um, really resolved in Acts chapters 10 and 11. But then life isn't necessarily neat or simple and things don't necessarily happen how we'd like them to. So the issue of who is in God's kingdom and who is outside of God's kingdom, who is allowed to be a believer, who, who, um, how people can become Christians... It's a huge, huge deal. And with some things that are a big deal nowadays, things come back again. And this issue of how people could become Christians, or perhaps more so what they had to do in order to become Christians, was leading to disunity in the church. It was leading to arguments on the potential for real disunity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love your church thank you that it is your idea it's not something that we have come up with out of nowhere as we um, look at this passage from Acts 15 and also as we think about unity would you please by the power of your Holy Spirit reveal what you want to say to us today amen So what is actually happening in the passage? Someone has come and been teaching something that is contrary to what Paul and Barnabas had been teaching. Um, Men from outside the area, so they've come from Judea and gone to Antioch. And we don't know who they were or exactly why they were teaching, but we do know what they were teaching. And they were teaching that Gentile believers needed to be circumcised in order to become followers of Jesus. So they weren't trying to deny the Gentiles a relationship with God, but they were adding in things that they had to do. They were um, giving them rules that they had to comply with in order to become believers. And understandably, Paul and Barnabas didn't agree with what was being taught. And so we see some sharp dispute and debate mentioned. In um, the message paraphrase, they talk of fierce protest. And I can imagine that it really would have been fiercely protested because this went against everything that had been um, going on in Acts chapters 10 and 11 when Peter and Cornelius um, were engaged in that. Um, The visions and the the, um, asking of Peter to come and speak to the church, the people Um, who became part of the church with Cornelius. And it's important because this teaching that um, these men who'd come down from, come from Judea um, to Antioch were teaching was changing the goalposts. It was changing what was being aimed for with potentially eternal consequences if they were teaching that people could only become believers if they were circumcised and then people didn't want to go down that route. So what do the non-Jewish believers have to do in order to be saved? To come into living relationship with Jesus. And this is what is at the crux of this discussion because as we'll see grace is at the heart of it rather than anything that people are doing 
by works. So Paul and Barnabas, along with some others, are sent by the church to Jerusalem to um, go and talk to the apostles and to the elders to question them um, about what, what should be happening. They are invested in getting really um, to the heart of this thorny issue and finding out an answer that will um, perhaps satisfy everyone, but at least resolve the question. And when they um, journey and when they get to Jerusalem, all the time they are giving testimony. They're telling stories of what God is doing amongst the Gentiles. Then Paul and Barnabas are welcomed by the church. They're respected people um, and they're in Jerusalem discussing the way forward, one assumes. They're talking about um, the question that has been raised. And some of the believers then who were belonging to the Pharisees raised the kind of the opposing view to that that Paul and Barnabas had. And the Pharisees, we've come across them often through um, the New Testament, and they were strict observers of the tradition and the written laws. And so for them, it was really important that people did what they were supposed to do. And so they were saying that the Gentiles must be circumcised, must be circumcised and must obey the law of Moses. And we see that it doesn't say that they're shouted down. It doesn't say that they're ignored. It doesn't say that a quick decision is made. But the meeting continues and the question is discussed. And with that discussion, there is clearly time and thought being put in. And Peter um, comes up with the fact that God chose that Gentiles would hear the gospel and believe. Not that they'd have to become Jewish and then believe or become Jewish in order to become followers of Jesus. And in verse 8, it says, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. It's got to the crux of the issue. It's reminded everybody present that that is how it happened. And so then the reference is made that to the Pharisees that they know this. So why are they trying to make it more difficult for the Gentile believers? Then they are reminded that actually the law hadn't brought them salvation. Just by keeping the law hadn't enabled them to become it into living relationship. It was through Jesus, it was through belief in him and it's through God's grace that both Jewish and Gentile believers could both get to that point of relationship with God in that particular way. And then there's silence. And then the signs and the wonders that have been happening among the Gentiles are discussed. They're told. And you can almost imagine the sort of stunned silence of the reminder of everything that God was doing, followed by the stories of everything that God was doing through this people group. And a reminder that actually... God's Holy Spirit had very much come to the Gentiles as well as the Jewish believers. And then James responds to Barnabas and Paul. He backs up their, argue, their argument referring to their prophets and he quotes a couple of verses from Amos 9. And this really, really kind of backs up what they've said. 
we've heard of what God has been doing. And then he comes in and says, yeah, actually, we look back at scripture and it's no surprise that we are here. And then this discourse is that sort of, um, we come to a little bit of compromise, perhaps. We've resolved the fact that the Gentile believers don't need to be circumcised. But there are things that would be really helpful for them not to do. And so to not make it difficult for their Jewish brothers and sisters, they're asked to abstain from certain things that would put a barrier between the Jewish and Gentile believers. James is pointing out that there are certain things that would have been associated with pagan temple worship that would be real um, barriers for the Jews and would be barriers for things like eating together, which would obviously cause a huge problem in celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And that actually these things that are being asked of them are not are not difficult things. They're not things that um, should be something that creates a real issue. Tom Wright, um, a biblical scholar, puts it this way. He would therefore, it would therefore be a great help if they, the Gentile believers, would observe the most obvious point to keep well away from pagan temples and everything that went in, went in on them, on in them. So there's a few things that we have heard quoted in the passage that, as Tom Wright continues to say, shouldn't be any great hardship for Christians to stay away from. So after um, some sung worship, we'll come back to think a little bit more about the passage.
soul to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay discussing this again. I thought it was sorted. But we want it done properly. It has to be done in the right way. Yes, with that first comment, I am surmising as to how Paul and Barnabas um, might have felt, what their attitude might have been. And yet the attitude of the Pharisees of wanting things done right, wanting to abide by the rules, is a contrasting attitude. But I do wonder how many times we all experienced times and places where we might have felt one or other of those attitudes, perhaps both in different times and probably um, at different times we all will have felt both of them. And dare I say it probably depends on the issue as to how we feel about the subject. Whichever side of the argument, whether um, we're frustrated that things are coming back to or whether it's something that actually on a particular issue we think is really important that people do things properly. These sort of issues can cause disunity and it's really important that the church is united. So why is unity in the church so important? A couple of years ago I had the privilege of preaching at a close friend's wedding and I was talking about kind of um, togetherness in a marriage relationship and the way that kind of you want to be going in the same direction and I used um, an analogy, an example of one of those what I think are quite entertaining um, dog leads where you can have two little dogs um, on like one lead that comes down to two different leads to clip onto each dog and um, probably I find it entertaining because when I was growing up we always had quite big dogs and there was no way this would work with a big dog but probably it's quite a practical solution for a little dog. But the thing about those type of dog leads about people um, if we think of two people that actually if you're um, yoked together like a couple who've just got married or like the church should be that actually you don't want to be going off in different directions you don't want to be um, straining to kind of go over here versus over here because you're gonna just go nowhere 
And if you're looking at the vision for a church or an issue that's really important for the whole church, if you're striving in completely different directions, it's going to cause some issues and it's going to minimise the effectiveness that the church or the congregation can be. The split that those who deemed circumcision necessary and those who didn't could have caused and was caused, it was creating a barrier. A barrier for believers, um, for the Gentile believers. It would have been really difficult to hear that people were saying, oh no, you can't actually be a believer unless you do this. But also for those who were not yet believers, that it was adding an extra hurdle that didn't need to be there. But there's also a risk that discussion around a particular issue becomes the issue. Instead of focusing on the gospel and the good news that Jesus is preaching, people can get tied up in discussion around an issue. But thankfully, in the passage, they're really effective at dealing with the issue and we don't see that happen. But also putting something else in that has caused um, disunity a bit like this discussion around circumcision. If things are added to um, how people can become believers, it stops it all being about grace. Instead of it being that actually we believe in Jesus and through grace we are accepted and come into relationship. If you have to jump through more hoops, that's really quite difficult and stops it being all about Jesus. So how can we work towards unity nowadays when, thankfully, we're not talking about circumcision? And it would be truly wonderful if in a church or a group of Christians, we didn't ever need to address the idea of unity. Because believers always see eye to eye, don't they? All the time. But we don't live in a perfect world. And churches are full of imperfect people. And so we're not at that place yet. So it's really quite important that we think about how we can become united. And so let's see what we can learn from the early church and how they addressed some of the issues. Firstly, they identified this wrong teaching, this this divisive teaching. um, And they dealt with the underlying issue of what the problem was. They didn't um, ignore it and hope it went away or they didn't ignore it and just brush it under the carpet. They dealt with it. And in dealing with it, they used wisdom. They used wisdom in who to send to Jerusalem and how to have the issue discussed. And we see um, we don't we don't see the ins and outs of everything that was being discussed, but it was clear that time and energy was spent doing so. It was clear from um, what's been said that that people were listened to when the Pharisee piped up with their point of view. They weren't shouted down with you're wrong. We don't agree with you. Please be quiet. They were listened to. And then the conversation continued. But they weren't sidetracked. The issue that was the actual issue remained as the central issue to be discussed, to be dealt with, to be acted upon and then moved on from. They weren't sidetracked. And crucially, God was focused on what he said and what he did through his Holy Spirit. 
And so we hear about grace. We hear testimony of signs and wonders. We hear um, how what has happened is backed up by scripture when they quoted from the prophet. And the end result could perhaps be viewed as a bit of a compromise. The main issue was dealt with. No compromise. The um, circumcision was not necessary for the Gentile believers. And they've kind of drawn a line under that. And yet there is a bit of compromise going on in terms of ensuring that as much as possible, the Gentile believers who had a different lifestyle would have been um, a different lifestyle in many ways, but may have involved pagan worship that actually that would have been a huge issue and would have caused massive ructions in living side by side as a believing community made up of previous Jewish and Gentiles. And so they dealt with what needed to be dealt with to ensure that no unnecessary barriers were being placed in front of people. And so they asked them to refrain from certain things that would have been complete no-nos and would have been real red flags to the Jewish believers. There's lots to think about in the passage. It's, it's a tricky topic, unity or potentially disunity. But just as we um, come into land, I'm going to ask a question. Do we need to rethink how we work together for unity in all we do? And also in how we work together to avoid disunity? And thankfully, we don't have to try and strive to do this on our own We are always equipped by the Holy Spirit. And so let's ask for his help now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example that you give us through your son, Jesus. And thank you that we're not left on our own to do life on our own. But you equip us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts right now. But if there are any examples of disunity that you want to address, you would bring them to mind. That we would lay them before you and ask for your help. Lord, would you help us to know that we don't have to um, struggle and strive to bring about things on our own. But that you want Christians to live together in unity and harmony. Help us where there are things that we would naturally have different opinions about. And would you show us how to compromise in the right way? Being led by your Holy Spirit and in line with your will. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen.